Welcome to Trash Compactor. I'm Josh, and this week we're presenting an episode of our cousin podcast, The Secret Origins of Mint Condition, in a discussion that I participated in back in May about the redemption, or lack thereof, of Darth Vader. This is one of the best Star Wars discussions I've ever been a part of, and it touches on a lot of topics that we've talked a lot about here on Trash Compactor, and in a lot of ways it feels like it could be a missing episode, but it's not. It's an episode of another podcast, and I'm very jealous and proud and thankful that James has allowed us to share it here on the Trash Compactor feed. Just a quick note, this episode was recorded before the release of Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+, Plus, so keep that in mind as you listen, though the bulk of what I say would, I think, remain unchanged. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to James, who leads this discussion about the redemption of Darth Vader. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. I am one of your hosts, James, and with me is Joe. Hello, folks. And Chris. Hi there. And we have uh, a returning guest, friend of the show, and host of Trash Compactor, a Star Wars podcast, which officially launches its season one debut today. Josh Bernhardt is here. Hello there. Thank you for coming on, Josh. We really appreciate you being on, especially when we're talking all things Star Wars. So um, we're really excited to have you on today. I'm excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this podcast for uh, months, I think. Yes, I've been, we've been teasing this for a while. Um, <laughs> Thanks for being here, Josh. We really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm really, I said it twice. I'll say it again. I'm really excited to be here. I'm looking forward to this one. Cool. Excellent. Well, so I'll give you a little history before we launch officially into the podcast, because, um, you know, I would say the topic that I, I put forth today for this uh, Star Wars episode would, would be the original podcast topic, uh, even before I, I decided I wanted to do a podcast and even before I, I, I approached Joe and Chris about doing the podcast. Um, so I just I give a little back history on, on this is our topic is going to be centering around Darth Vader and I'll get into the more specifics around it. But as Josh has said, like um, when he first met me, I, I he saw me wearing a Darth Vader shirt in mint condition, uh, Darth Vader growing up. I, I really liked the character and, you know, thinking about approaching this episode and the character of Darth Vader, um, I kind of, you know, this is my adult version of why I thought that way. But I guess in my mind, I like Darth Vader because the, you know, the last impression you ever have of something sometimes is what's left with you. And the last impression I have of Darth Vader with the original trilogy is that he kills the Emperor, um, returns to the good side, and ends up a Force ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi. So in my mind, all the things that we'd seen in A New Hope and Empire, I guess for my young mind liking the character, were kind of a race because in the end he, he, he was a good guy. So I guess that I, that's my justification now as an adult. I, I can't go back in time and, and figure out any other way. So there, there could be differences in that uh, in my younger self. But so I had that going for a while. And then the prequels come out. And the prequels, um, number one, is not what Anakin, I thought Anakin would be uh, as a starter. Uh, but that's a whole separate podcast, I think. And, um, and then when we get to Revenge of the Sith, Anakin Skywalker, now Darth Vader, really crosses the line and and murders as we joked about um younglings but it's really in the star wars universe that's not a joke he literally kills at, i think at least 10 to 20 young jedis if not more i don't even know if we know the count but he kills a whole bunch of young children in his efforts to uh, fulfill his role as darth vader and and be the emperor's uh, right hand so all of that like and the prequels we could again a whole other podcast topic about what the prequels are the prequels kind of like i wouldn't say ruined star wars for me but i took a break from star wars for a long time 
But um, but as I as Disney started re-promoting Star Wars and I was into the expanded trilogy, I got back into it and I started rethinking my thoughts about the character Darth Vader. Uh, obviously, it's one whole saga, so episodes one through three to you know uh, you know four uh, through six all count. So my like, liking this character as I grew up changed into like this is a really bad guy. I mean, what we saw on screen him do in Revenge of the Sith and everything else and. If you're a person like me who reads like the in-canon Marvel comics and stuff that Marvel started to do once they acquired it, he's done terrible things, you know, hunted down and killed rebels and Jedis and that. So my real question for this episode, and, uh, you know, Chris and I talked about this. This was like Chris has mentioned on previous podcast. This was the topic that rekindled our friendship after like 16 yeah. years. <laughs> I, it spanned I to- multiple com- phone conversations. Yes, it did. Yes, this was a long philosophical topic. And I've discussed this with Josh as well many times. Um, so this is the podcast to finally have our thoughts out. And Joe, I have not discussed this podcast topic with you, but, um, I'm really interested in your thoughts. So the, the conversation is at the end of return of the Jedi, Anakin Skywalker appears as a force ghost, which kind of implies to you that all is forgiven with the force, I guess, because he's there with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda. And if you watch Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, Qui-Gon is not there in the scene, but he's also attained that. So it means like you, to be a force ghost, you've attained a certain amount of enlightenment and balance or whatever peace with the force. And, and it seems like all is forgiven. So I, I have to ask, and, and Joe, since I have not talked about this with you, I'll have you go first. Does, is Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader worthy of that redemption at the end of Return of the Jedi? I'm still wrestling with this, James. I know this is going to be the question and I've been thinking about it and thinking about it. And uh, maybe by the end of this podcast, I might be able to answer that question uh, in a firm of one way or the other. But uh, right now, I would have to say I'm leaning towards no, because That's... of all the, all, the, all the things you just uh, uh, enumerated. Um, but that said, you know, uh, he's, he's, you know, when you talk about cinema villains, when you talk about the greatest villains in cinema history, of course, Darth Vader is one of them. I mean, he's right up there with Hannibal Lecter. Um, Nurse Ratched, um, Mrs. Danvers from Rebecca, which an incredible villainous, uh, Michael Corleone. So he's, and there, you know, and some of, you know, some of them, though, we, we talk about, um, especially Corleone is, is he, is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? Does he redeem himself at the end? But he loses everything, he loses his family, but he kills all his enemies. So, uh, this is a great, um, a great question you have posed. And, uh, I'm going to sit back for a bit and, and, and listen to, uh, the other answers from uh, you and uh, jo- Josh and Chris, and maybe I'll push me in the other direction. Maybe you won't, but okay. um, that's where I stand right now. I'm uh, I'm straddling a line right now. I'm, I, I, I like this. Jar. I, I, like, I, I like another great villain, and Chris will appreciate this. Um, I hope I get this right. Um, uh, the vacillating Richard was that Richard the second, Richard the third, uh, Chris. Ooh, I honestly couldn't tell you offhand. But uh, that's the that's the premise of that place because you can never make up his mind, you know. So uh, they, you know, they're constantly vacillating. So I, I am a, I am a Shakespearean uh, uh, character at this point right now, uh, try, wrestling with this answer. That's wow. that said, I appreciate that you have now put it into my head that I desperately need to see a version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Vader <laughs> in it, as well as a, a version of uh, A New Hope with Nurse, Nurse Ratched in. So thank you for putting that in my head, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Nurse Ratched is. 
She's come in ability. <laughs> well, Joe, I appreciate you being I, like the, the audience that has like a kind of be swayed in this argument. So, uh, but uh, Josh, since you are a guest, let me, let me turn it over to you now. What are, what are your thoughts on, on what I've proposed? I have so many thoughts, um, <laughs> <laughs> but to stick with this question, I actually, my thought process is actually almost beat for beat the same as Joe's. I struggle with this a lot as well, but I ultimately come down on the side of he's not redeemed, at least in my eyes. Um, I do think the films are saying, I think the authorial intent is to say he is redeemed. Um, but I don't know that I buy that. And, you know, it is interesting because I think it's ironic. You said that seeing the Anakin Skywalker of the prequels actually made Vader less redeemable or um, more more irredeemable, as the case may be. When ironically, I think the intent was the opposite. I think George Lucas's expectation was through seeing who he was as a young man and the good man that he was, you would be more apt to accept his redemption or know that he has good in him. When ironically, as you point out, seeing him murder a bunch of kids, a room full of helpless kids in episode three is kind of what for you, and I would say probably for me as well, um, is kind of beyond the pale. I think that and, you know, slaughtering the 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 tribe of Tuscans in episode two, who I actually, by the way, I have made a point not to refer to them as sand people or Tuscan raiders um, since seeing their more rounded depiction in the book of Boba Fett, where, you know, it's really framed as like they are the native inhabitants of, of Tatooine. So to call them you know, raiders is is kind of unfair because, mm -hmm. you know, any raiding that's going on is because of all of these colonizers who have shown up on their planet and set up shop and they're just like, what are you doing? Uh, but I digress. So, yeah, I don't think that Vader is redeemed just because he does one final act of good where he decides to do the right thing. And there is also a way that you can look at what he does in a very selfish way, because now that we have the prequels, basically what he does when he intervenes, when the emperor is killing his son, he's basically, with the context of the prequels, flashing back to the failure, his failure to save Padme's life. And he's basically, what must be going through his mind is, wait a minute, I've been here before. I have an opportunity to save somebody I love, so I'm going to take it. So it's kind of, you know, selfish in a sense, um, I don't know that he's acting so much out of, you know, wait a minute, the emperor's evil and I have a chance to do the right thing once and for all. I think there's a way to read it where he's doing it selfishly, where the whole catalyst or the final straw, depending on how you look at it, for his fall to the dark side was his attachment to his loved ones and his inability to let go, wanting to possess them. And ultimately, the idea of not being with Padme or being without Padme, uh, you know, makes him crazy and makes him willing to to turn to the dark side and do whatever Palpatine says and just, you know, on a dime, slaughter his best friend and a room full of kids. And, you know, I think he realizes, wait a second, I don't want the emperor to murder my son. I love my son. Um, and, you know, whether or not that is I mean, which I certainly think is the right thing to do. Um, but um you know, hard to 
see what his um, his motives are. I don't know that you can definitively say that they're so clear cut. It seems to me it's a nu- it's yet another act of selfishness potentially. And the one final thing I will say on this in an upcoming episode of Trash Compactor, a Star Wars podcast. Uh, we have a long conversation about Return of the Jedi where we do discuss very briefly, we kind of have a mini version of this discussion at the end. Um, and uh, we kind of landed on something similar. And then my friend John, who's a frequent guest on Trash Compactor, who was not on that episode, he heard the discussion and he pointed out that in his mind, Vader's soul is what's redeemed there. Not so much whether or not he should be forgiven by the people around him or, you know, the galaxy. He really made the distinction that in that moment, Vader redeems his soul or he redeems his soul in the eyes of the Force, uh, whatever that means, which I think is an interesting idea and I think is certainly um, what is there in the text. I think that's the intent. I think it is a very Christian notion about souls and forgiveness and all that. But um, one interesting distinction, though, that I want to make that occurred to me was, first of all, I'm I'm Jewish. I'm not very much practicing, but some of the values in the Jewish faith that separate it from, you know, Christian values is uh, really embodied, I think, in the observance of Yom Kippur, which is the New Year's ceremony Um, When we ask forgiveness for our sins, the things that we did wrong, the mistakes that we made in the previous year in preparation for a clean slate for the upcoming new year. And one of the things that you do in Yom Kippur is you need to ask forgiveness from the people you have wronged before you can ask forgiveness of God, right? So you basically have um, have to settle up with the real people who bore the brunt of your mistakes or your sins or what have you before God or the universe or whatever can forgive you before you can even ask for that forgiveness. And so I think that, you know, approaching this question of does Darth Vader redeem himself at the end of Return of the Jedi, it's kind of a cop out, but I think it depends on your point of view. I think it depends on where you're coming from. I mean, if you believe that, you know, you're redemption the the tally is between like your soul and the universe then sure okay you know maybe in the eyes of the force or god or the universe um all all it uh takes is one final change of heart and you're good to go um if you take a more kind of humanist material view of goodness and redemption vader while that's a good start to have a change of heart at the end, he will never be able to do right by the people that he wronged, uh, by the galaxy that he wronged. He will never be able to make up in the material world for all the pain and death and destruction that he caused. So, um, I think I think it's an I think it's an open question. I don't. I think it depends on where you're coming from, and you know, in a way, he got off easy because he died. He's lucky he died. Uh, because he didn't, uh, he didn't have to face those, um, you know, the reckoning. The uh, you know, the rest of his life would have had to have been devoted to making up for or apologizing for the destruction that he's responsible for. And you know, 
um, who's to say that he would have been willing or able to stick with that? I mean, after years yeah. and years of, of trying to do the right thing and, uh, you know, constantly being challenged or told it's not enough, it's not enough. You know, who's to say he wouldn't just go right back to the dark side, which, as we all know, is quicker, easier, more seductive to get what you want. No, those are so many good points, Josh. Um, yeah, they are. Great points, I, Josh. You know, just to kind of, I mean, I guess I just do elaborate on, on, on your last point, but what I want to, before I throw it to Chris is like, I guess if he had survived, though, he would have, I mean, he arguably would be put on trial and possibly executed if the rebellion believed in that kind of justice. But, uh, um, well, well, Josh, the way he put it uh, very eloquently, uh, it reminds me of like the, uh, the 10-step program in Alcoholics Anonymous or, or, or drug program, and you have to forgive the people you've wronged before you can uh, uh, forgive, mm. quote unquote, maker. Before we make a, a maker will forgive uh, will forgive you, so you have to make right with the people you've harmed, physically and and psychologically, and um, that you know again that's on a personal level. Yeah, you you might find that that forgiveness, but it doesn't mean it wipes out what you've done. Um, so uh, I'm still struggling, guys. I'm still struggling. So, but um, you made me think about some things, Josh. So uh, go ahead, Chris. I just just wanted to let you, you know, just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. No. I mean, I think I think you've both brought up really, really good points, and I know James has James has some more. I for me, whether or not Vader is redeemed by the end of Jedi totally depends on the scale of the discussion. Um, and the reason I say that is because I I agree with Josh a hundred percent that the authorial intent is that Vader is redeemed. That's why. He shows up at the end. He's now on like once he's turned back to the light side, that's how he dies and that's how he stays. So I definitely think that was the the intent. Um, I do think that if we just look at just the original trilogy episodes four through six, I do think Vader is redeemed. I say that because we talk about there's there's all sorts of talk about what he did, but we don't entirely know what he did. Right. right. Um, you know, we know that he apparently killed Anakin. That said, we also learned that he is Anakin, so it you know it's true from a certain point of view. So, how much of the evil that we've heard Vader has done is is actually evil versus the mythology spun around this creature of myth, who is Vader? So, I think that when you look at it strictly from episodes four through six, I think Vader can be redeemed. Yes, he is part of trying to crush the rebellion. Uh, yes, he has every intention of killing Obi Wan Kenobi. But you know, in those contexts, in those specific contexts. He's not the one who built or used the Death Star. He, uh, Obi-Wan allowed himself to be struck down by Vader. Um, you know, there are a number of ways in which we saw Vader torture Han and Leia. And that's, I, I obviously that's a bad thing. Um, but then he's the one, he's the reason the Emperor dies. He kills the Emperor as far as we know, right? So I think episodes four through six, he is redeemed. I think when you zoom out though, and you start incorporating other elements of his story, I think that's when it gets, I wouldn't even say it gets murkier because I don't think it does get murkier. I don't think he finds redemption. I don't think he can be redeemed for what he's done. I think we see that once he kills everybody that he kills in the first three movies, episodes one through three, really episodes two through three with the Tuscan Raiders and, and with Mace and with the younglings. Um, so I think he hits a point of, of not being able to be redeemed there on that scale. And also I, I don't think the storytelling was very good from episodes one through three. So not only do I, am I disinclined to believe that Vader is, is redeemable, 
But also, I don't like Anakin as a character, so it's not even like I care whether or not he is redeemed. And I don't know how much that plays into, and I've got a couple of other things, but really quickly, I want to put the question to the three of you. How much does your opinion of Anakin, based on just episodes one through three, how much of that does plays into whether or not you think Anakin is redeemable, is, is whether or not you, I mean, do you even want to see him redeemed based on the character that we've been introduced to in episodes one through three? Well, that's a, yeah, that is a complex question. question. Um, you know, if we're only taking episodes one through three into consideration, I don't really care enough about the character Anakin, and he's not my favorite at that point. Like, I'm, I'm actually at that point rooting for him to become Darth Vader because it's a lot more interesting once he's in the suit. Yeah, see, uh, that, and that to me is really interesting. Joe, Josh, what do you guys think? Oh, boy, I don't know. That's, uh, that's, a, tough one. that's a tough one, Chris. But, you, but the way you framed it, though, if you're just looking at the, the middle trilogy, and we don't know his horrendous, horrific background, then yeah, maybe he's redeemable. But uh, once we learn these things that he did in the past, uh, yeah, I mean, no, he's not. Again, you can you can ask for forgiveness. You can ask for those of your loved ones and friends and and and, and even your maker, but doesn't mean you're going to get it. And um, so, no, I don't. I'm I'm starting to you know not love him as much, and I don't think he's you know he's not. I don't think he's uh, redeemable. I, well, and, and whether, I mean, here, even without the, the middle three movies, you know, whether or not you're rooting for a character, I think yeah. makes it, you know, makes it relevant. I mean, Josh, what do you, what do you think with your storytelling experience and, and your movie consumption experience? Well, I'm going to answer your question sideways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that means. Sounds like me. <laughs> Here's one thing I can't quite get over when it comes to Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader. In a lot of ways, it's very hard to see the through line, the way he's depicted in these six movies, uh, because he's 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 a composite character. Right. He's never portrayed by the same that his so in episode one he's portrayed by one actor who only portrays him in that one movie and then he's played by a completely different actor who's a completely different age in the next movie so at least for me i'm not there's there's a disconnect for me in my head and my you know recognition of the continuity of that character like in my mind it's very hard for me to see the young boy who we see in that first movie episode one as the same character as anakin skywalker in episode two which so if you're doing the math if you're playing along at home one third of the character's arc in the prequel trilogy for me is completely gone because i have a hard time seeing that as a, a part of the journey of this one character then you have one actor who portrays him for two movies and those two movies are arguably the only time that we are seeing this fully formed conception of the Anakin Skywalker character where he evolved to, this conception of the character, right? Then once you get to episode four, to Star Wars A New Hope, he's played by two actors, well, really three actors, if you count Bob Anderson, the stuntman, and that the idea that he, he was Anakin Skywalker wasn't even there when they were making the movie right. so so it's literally not intended to be the same character when it was made you know retroactively it like you know kind of works and you can kind of paper it over but the point stands that it is literally not the same character so you're now two-thirds of the way in to the story of this character he's been portrayed by three different actors 
four different actors if you count the voice separately. And where we're at at this point, he's not even supposed to be that same character. And by the time you actually see him with his mask off by the end of episode six, that's yet another, another actor, actor right? who you don't who you don't associate. You don't see in your mind. Oh, like that's the same guy who I last saw in episode three on the volcano planet Mustafar after battling with Obi-Wan. So my point is, is that a lot of this a lot of this arc is really an intellectual exercise and you don't feel it from the movie you don't you're not brought along this journey with the characters uh, with the character excuse me in the movies themselves you are you 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 are told these things and you can resolve them to see that continuity but it's an intellectual exercise it's not it's not something the movies have you know given you so in that sense i would have to say then uh, to answer your question i would say I'm more willing to entertain the possibility of redemption if we're just including the original trilogy, because I think it's more straightforward a journey. And again, as you pointed out, we don't see these horrible things that Vader did when he was younger. And actually, Chris, you bring up a really good point. The the things that we hear about him in the original trilogy, uh, you know, now we have that seed of doubt that we learn that he didn't literally kill Anakin Skywalker. It's sort of playing fast and loose with the truth. So that kind of calls into question, okay, like what else about this guy are we just kind of making assumptions about based on what we're told? I think there's enough like gray area there that, you know, you can kind of squint and not look too close and you can kind of buy it. Um, I still think you could make a case that Vader hasn't done anything to really deserve full redemption. Um, but once you introduce the prequels, I just think the whole thing is just so much more muddled. And I don't mean complicated. I mean right, muddled right. that I would have to say that I'm less inclined to give Vader slash Anakin the benefit of the doubt when you take the the prequels into consideration. Right. And that's right. and that's where I am. And I'm going to uh, close out sort of where I was at because there's one more time that I sort of want to zoom out before I'm, I'm done sort of sharing, you know, where I think I, where I am on Vader. And that's because I, if I zoom out one more time, right. For me personally, and I know there are other, there are other ways to look at Vader, but if I zoom out one more time and I take into account the Clone Wars, the cartoon series, now it's a different beast again. Um, yes, Chris, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I yeah. was going to say like, like as much as like that, Josh, you said the prequels were meant for us to like Anakin, I, I did dislike them more, but the Clone Wars actually, th that actually made me like Anakin. And that's exactly what I was going to say is I like Anakin in the, in the cartoon series and we see more of him being a great pilot and he's not just cocky. We see him growing and that's something we don't really get in the movies. We don't get to see him grow in the movies, which is one of the reasons I don't really like him. One could make the argument that he does, but I don't see any growth in him. And then specifically, I want to sort of draw everybody's attention to Season three, episodes 15 through 17. They take place on this planet called Mortis. And basically you have Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka are sort of abducted to this planet where we meet the ones, the father, the daughter, and the son. And the father strikes a balance between the daughter, who is of the light side, and the son, who's of the dark side, and strikes a balance there. And all three of them are trapped on this planet to retain balance in the Force. And, um, and it gets upset while they're there, and in the in that um in the, the that all that happening and all the happenings 
um, Anakin is made aware of his future. He becomes aware of what he will become. And he is so distraught by what this is that he is lured to the dark side in the hopes of avoiding it. And that is temporary because when he loses, when the father removes those memories, he says, my son broke the laws of time that is not meant to happen and makes Anakin forget. Anakin sort of returns to the light side. But, but the Clone Wars, those three episodes, I think, do a really great job of fleshing out Anakin and his personal struggles. But the Clone Wars series in general really gets us to a point where we're going, the Jedi don't know what they're doing. And they're dabbling in things they really shouldn't be dabbling in. And they only really see the trap until they're in it. So... Excuse me, I still, with that context, I still don't think that, excuse me, Vader is redeemable, but now he's more relatable. And because he's more relatable, the idea of him being redeemed later doesn't necessarily bother me as much. But my final point is sort of in relation to that season three, episodes 15 through 17 on Mortis, um, which is that ultimately, I, he, what is the redemption that we see at the end, right? Because Josh mentioned earlier that it's very, it's a very Christian take on on redemption and and the afterlife, life after death. Um, and I, and I agree with that because redemption generally means something good. That said, the Force doesn't actually care about good or bad; it cares about balance. And so, I think from the Force's perspective, so much as is so much in so as it has one, um, Vader is in that moment Anakin is redeemed and the reason he's redeemed is not because he suddenly did a good thing and turned back to the light side but because he finally managed to bring balance to the force through saving Luke and uh, evidently killing the Emperor um and so he is finally fulfilled the prophecy everything is finally in balance and I and so I think that in terms of if we want to look at it that way I think he is redeemed but not because he did a good thing but because he did the thing he was meant to do so so I think it's a very complex, interesting question, um, but it just depends on the scope. I agree. I agree with the points you you made, Chris, about that. I mean, I that yes, audience, if you have you know Disney Plus and can get the Clone Wars, I I, do, I recommend those episodes as well that Chris pointed out because I thought that's I guess also we big... probably should have said spoilers ahead, right? Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, you know, a <laughs> little, little bit, a little bit. But uh, I mean, still, the rest of the series is worth watching. But um, but if you haven't seen those episodes, there's a lot of nuance that happens in those three episodes that I think is still worth watching, even though you know the outcome that we've summarized here. But um, yeah, I um, it's it's a scope thing. But uh, before I, I before I go further, my points, Joe, you've had your hand up for a while. What what were your thoughts? Well, Josh, uh, it's what I like about these these uh, podcasts is these revelations are always always coming forth. And Josh, uh, your what you spoke about. Uh, so beautifully and eloquently was a revelation to me. I never thought of Vader in the New Hope as being that character without subtext and without nuance because it wasn't thought of it, the character that way. The, the prequels weren't even, you know, they weren't, uh, maybe they were They were in the back of uh, uh, Lucas's wine. But yeah, Vader is Vader's just a guy in a black hat in the first movie in, in exactly. New Hope, right? Exactly. And, and later on, because of uh, the... Uh, uh, the, the prequels, Vader is basically stitched together like the Frankenstein monster, so to speak. And that's why maybe it is difficult to, uh, to, uh, uh, to relate to him. Uh, so yeah, that's, um, 
you blew my mind, Josh, with that. And uh, thank you. <laughs> no, well, so, uh, well, so Joe, uh, you actually invoked Michael Corleone, uh, which yes. I think is a, of all the villains that you mentioned, I think the Michael Corleone example is the closest analog to mm -hmm. who the prequels were trying to make Anakin into. It was supposed to be a Michael Corleone thing where, you know, he starts off good. And then we see through the course of especially that first film, we follow him through this journey, we see all the choices he makes. We understand why he's making these choices until all of a sudden we realize, oh, shit, he's the bad guy now. Like he's fallen someplace. And you can do that when, you know, setting the writing aside for a second, you can do that when you have the actor who you're relating to your your Pacino is really bringing you along for the character of this man. Oh, yes. And. I mean, it's really amazing. Like you are really, you feel like you're seeing what's behind his eyes and you're really kind of filling in the inner life that this character has. Whereas with the prequels, you don't really get the opportunity to do that. Like the illusion that cinema is able to create when it works is this illusion of interiority, is this illusion of continuity, is this illusion of you know, of closeness with a character who doesn't actually exist. And it's so easy to break the spell of that illusion. And I think that Anakin in the prequels and in the first six movies in general just has so many things working against it working that, again, I think it's really an intellectual exercise, like this whole fall and redemption of this character, because it never really connects emotionally for, for so many technical reasons that uh, you can argue until you're blue in the face that those things shouldn't matter, but they do. Mm. No, they do. You're right. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the Godfather reference, just made the Michael Corleone reference, uh, at the beginning, in the, during the, the wedding, Constancia's wedding, uh, he's, um, he tells Kate, that's my family, Kate, that's not it's me. It's not me. Yeah, right. we ran, we ran right then and there. You know, yeah, <laughs> there's a journey ahead. What's the other those lines? Right, show college at the beginning, right? Yep. And then we see his his rise to power and his fall as a human being. If yeah. somebody, if you're going to do a tragic fall, it needs to stick. You need to mm -hmm. stick landing yeah. on a tragic fall because if you don't, it's just tragic. <laughs> like yeah. it's yeah. you know you've got to, you've got to see the fall of the hero in order for you know the hero the the hero turning into villain is a very compelling storyline. But only if you stick the story and and um, I think what was meant to be a tragic fall to the dark side, the prequels just utterly demolish any possibility of that. And it's also really interesting because I've been reevaluating what happens in Attack of the Clones in episode two, um, you know, really in uh, the aftermath of the Book of Boba Fett and how the Tuscans are portrayed because arguably he turns to the dark side in episode two. He slaughters an entire village yep. of men, women, and children. Yep. And he, he brags about it. I mean, he doesn't brag about it, but he, he, um, he he's certainly like, righteous about it. Yeah. And he's like, you know, look at what I did. And Padme's reaction to hearing that is kind of inexplicable and inhuman. The, the only way that, that everyone's reactions and the film's reactions, the way the film handles it makes sense is if you accept that the Tuscans are something less than human, or I guess human is the wrong word, but like less than sentient, that on mm -hmm. some level they are literally savages or whatever you want to call them. And that reading is incompatible with the way they're depicted in uh, the Book of Boba Fett and actually also in 
The Mandalorian, I think just learning that they are able to be reasoned with and you can communicate with them. We get that first in, I think, season one of Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes you reevaluate the whole thing. So, I mean, it's kind of weird because, you know, if you accept that, which I think is the correct quote unquote reading, because I'm not really comfortable with the idea that is given in the first six films that the Tuscans are literally savages and you know, it's a fictional universe, so so that's just what they are. Like, even then, I think that that's an uncomfortable reading. So it rings more true to me that they're more multifaceted and they're not, quote-unquote, savage, mindless animals, as Anakin says in episode two. It's sort of strange. Like, the way the movie, the way Attack of the Clones wants us to read that is, it's like, it's okay. I know he, he murdered men, women, and children. But they were only savages, so like there's some wiggle room there. And that's like kind of weird, because by any measure, that's when he falls to the dark side. Right. Which I, right. yeah, I agree with, agree with that. Well, one, before I elaborate on a larger point that I know is going to open more discussion, I just want to say both for Chris and, and Josh, you're taking into account just the episodes four through six and how we don't really know what Vader really, how dark he is and stuff. It just, the analogy came to my head, well, I guess Vader's kind of like the Dread Pirate Roberts then. Um, we don't, we don't really know what he did. Sure, but, uh, sure. But to, to get to this, like the, the bigger point, like Josh, on, on, I think on that episode, you let me preview of Return of the Jedi. You had mentioned in the text that George Lucas's idea of the dark side is that once you're down that path, you're down that path. Is that that correct in his in his interpretation of the force? Yeah. So this is something that was kind of a late revelation to me. I didn't understand this when I was a kid. And this is only something that I actually I only learned from reading J.W. Rinsler's making of Revenge of the Sith, which came out not long after the movie came out. So we're talking about like 2005. And they're talking about the reshoots that they did to put some more meat on the bones of Anakin's fall and kind of retool the movie a little bit. Because originally, basically, the way the dark side works is the more evil things you do, the more times you you give in to greed and you, you give in to your anger, there's sort of like a um, there's like a force meter, right? And so every time you do that, you give in to your anger or you do something evil, you tick a little further over into the red, a little further over into the dark side until finally you do one thing that makes you cross the threshold. And then it's like it's like flipping a switch. All of a sudden you're on the dark side and you're consumed with hate and anger and evil and all this. And then like you're a bad guy. And if you accept that version, those mechanics of how the force works, then all the movies make sense. The way that, you know, Vader and the Emperor are trying to make Luke fall to the dark side, they are trying to goad him into giving into his anger, and they're trying to goad him into attacking so that his force meter will cross over the dark side line, and then and then he'll be bad. And if you accept that, then Vader doing one last heroic act, one good thing would hypothetically be enough to put him back into the light side territory. The only problem with that is dramatically on screen, that doesn't really work because, you know, if you look at episode three, the episode three that we got, even then, a lot of people said that Anakin's fall, his turn, his acceptance of being on the dark side and becoming Vader is like, it's sort of like a very quick heel turn. It seems very sudden and unexpected. 
And that's because what they were trying to soften was an even more, you know, abrupt heel turn that they apparently, you know, once they saw the first cut of the movie, they realized wasn't really working because you don't understand why he's all of a sudden doing that. So then they retooled the movie to really make his motivations more clear. They really focused it to be more about he's scared about losing Padme and the only way he can see to save her is through learning this forbidden knowledge that Palpatine has. And that's sort of the carrot that he uses to convince him to follow him and that the Jedi are bad. So, see, so it, does, is... it does kind of soften it a little bit, oh, but that issue is still there. Because the problem is, I, I think they tried to invent a new thing they didn't when they didn't need to invent a new thing. I think what they needed to do was they, because ultimately they showed us a lot of big battles and they showed us what was happening on, on the scale of the Galactic Republic, right? They were showing us such a big, so much of a big scale. They were showing us because we had to find out what happened with the droids and what happened with Yoda and what happened with Obi-Wan. And so they were trying to tell us too many stories at once. You know, when you look at, when you look at something, a story like say Macbeth, you know, every time there's like a war or a big battle, it happens off screen. It happens off stage. You don't see any of these things happening. And the reason you don't see them happening, in my opinion, is because they need to stay focused on Shakespeare as a writer. And our attention as the audience, it, our, our focus has to stay on Macbeth. We need to be able to see what's happening with him and with Lady Macbeth in order to understand why he falls in the first damn place, right? We need to be able to see the arc of his character. And so that's why so much of the action happens behind closed doors with him, with his wife, um, as opposed to, hey, we're going to show you a really big battle now that's going to last for, I don't know, 20 pages of the script, even 10 pages of the script, right? And so I think that, in my opinion, that was part of the problem, is that as ridiculous as it probably sounds to some of our listeners, I think they didn't spend enough time on Anakin because there they ended up with no room for nuance. And without that room for nuance, I think you get what we got. Right. And also, I would say it's probably, again, we, we could discuss this on and on, but the, the writing uh, and the handling of the character acting wise didn't give away to a lot of nuance that probably could have been there. And I'm not playing anything against Hayden Christensen um, because, the, you know, like he's working with the script. And as you know, we've said that George Lucas was looking for less emotion in his cool. actors. So um, that was kind of you know doing maybe he maybe he couldn't give the nuanced emotion of Anakin's checking these boxes to fall to the dark side. But I will also say so that that description of how you turn to the dark side almost, you know, is, is sort of a form of possession and not uh, like you do things, obviously, but then once you've done them, you're you're in the dark side, which is like it, the dark side's possessing you, which is, is sort of like um, I don't like the description because it kind of takes away that it's that it's not it's not solely Anakin's fault. He did these bad things. But there he's also agency. Now, it removes agency, which exactly, I don't like. Exactly, it kind of gets you off the hook. Yeah, so with, the, with that in mind, yeah, I guess he could be redeemed because he finally did a good act and he's overall a good person. Um, but I, I don't know if I like that as as a ticker thing because, it, like I said, it takes away agency, takes away free will. And I thought the Force is kind of like, and who, how you wield the Force is sort of like, it's based upon the, the Jedi or Sith who's wielding it and their personality and intention. Well, and now the question becomes, okay, so what's the threshold? Because... Luke uses the dark side in Return of the Jedi at the very beginning when he force chokes the Gamarian pig guards and they haven't attacked him. They didn't do anything. Oh, they're a threat to him, but they didn't actually do anything. But he very callously and casually used like just force chokes them. 
So what's what exactly is the threshold target? Well, in my head, Kenan, I choose to believe that he didn't actually kill them. He just kind of closes their airways and they just kind of passed out. I mean, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, and, and it's true. He didn't he didn't kill them. He didn't take a life. Um, but, you know, I, I, I that's what I mean is I just I don't know exactly where the threshold is, because technically, you know, because he is using I mean, and I know there are arguments that, OK, we're talking about gray force powers as opposed to dark or light. Um, but, you know, it's where where's the threshold? Can you use it so many times before you turn over or does it have to do with how many people you kill or whether or not you kill them in anger? Because Luke kills some, you know, some Tide pilots and some Imperials. He blows up uh, an AT-AT walker on off like and the I, sail I just, barge and, 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 and the sail barge. Um, oh, but not, but not and the Death Star. Uh, <laughs> and, the Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm not, uh, you know, my argument is not that, oh, it, it's this flawed storytelling. And so it, it doesn't make sense. That, that wouldn't be my argument because I think it, I think it can make sense depending on how it was intended. I just think that, you know, some of the, some of the, the places that we found ourselves, Josh, I, I, I can't remember where it is that you said this, but for anybody who doesn't listen to Trash Compactor, you really should, because there's some really, really good, interesting conversations on there. And it's going to cover That's a exciting. lot of stuff you've thought about before, but from angles you didn't anticipate. So it's good, but I can't remember, but you mentioned at some point in answer to somebody said something about the ideal, the quote, ideal watching order. And you said, no, Lucas meant for them to be watched one through six straight through. And, yeah, um, and that, you know, he does, yeah. It's it's odd because it really undermines the power of the revelation and empire. And maybe we only feel that way because we, you know, because of when, you know, when we grew up, those were the only movies we had, whatever. Um, but I just I think that, you know, I think that a lot of the parts of the storytelling here undermine other parts. And I think that was the problem. Ultimate problem I had with the prequels is that there were parts of the that storytelling that undermined. Uh, the storytelling done in the original trilogy, I know that one of the things that always bothered me about the sequels was this idea of being able to jump to or from planets. As much as I enjoy Rogue One, they managed to jump to hyperspace from the planet, the planet side, which they shouldn't be able to do because the gravity well stops hyperspace jumps. And that's what the interdictor technology is based on. Interdictors pull you out of hyperspace by creating a gravity well. It's None of it's real. But if you set the rules, I need to understand exactly why it is you're breaking them and how. And that's, I feel the same with stories and storytelling is, are you undermining yourself? And I think that's what we run into here because, you know, then you could have four fools such as us sitting around and arguing whether or not uh, Vader is actually redeemed when that doesn't, again, or, 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 you know, the author's intent here, as you mentioned, Josh, is that he is redeemed. So you didn't intend for us to debate it, but that's what we're doing because I think your storytelling undermined your own story. You know, you bring up a really interesting point, actually, um, in terms of the watching order. I think similar to how when you haven't seen the prequels and you're just talking about episodes four to six, you kind of accept Vader's redemption. I think similarly, if you watch four to six and then one to three, I think it also still kind of works for a similar reason, because you've seen the redemption and then you see the fall. So you don't then have to be confronted with the redemption again, having seen the fall. Mm. Right. So so it doesn't necessarily it, invalidate it because you can't go back to how you felt. Exactly. That's interesting. Which, uh, which I think tracks with the thought process of the creator who made them, right? So he did the redemption first before really, like, you know, you can imagine if he made one through three, he would have maybe 
depicted the redemption in a different way or or made the redemption a little more complicated because he would have had to wrestle with hey i showed this guy murder a room full of kids a couple movies ago i should um, do something about that how do how do i feel about that so mm-hmm. so once again like i think i know i keep saying this but this whole arc is an intellectual exercise that only works if you if you impose this outside logic on it well I mean, I, I think my, my feelings about like watching the prequels and then and obviously in the context of our discussion, it seems like Lucas was like, I really got to show that he's bad. So let's do these things that are bad. way out of proportion. Oh, I was way out of proportion? Yes. Yeah, the way out of proportion for what you want this character to be. Like slaughtering Tuscans, murdering children, um, you know, and every, everything else he's done in the prequels um, is is like way out of proportion for the level of redemption that, that at least we're talking about here. Well, I just want to say, you, you keep blowing my mind. Um, and this goes back to a little bit, which you said a few minutes ago, you, we were talking about the heel turn. Um, so I was thinking about this and, and how, it, how that could work. And so maybe what we should be talking about, and I'll talk about villainy, but the force in Star Wars, what is that? So you're, but you just jogged into my head or just blew my mind. Was it the force is temptation? The force is is everything, and because it's temptation, you you know you can't have a villain without choice. Villains make poor choices, and then when you tie it all together with what you were talking about earlier about the Judeo Christian uh, overtones in this film, well then free will enters into it, right? So right. I'm, I'm thinking right now that, you know, yeah, this, it's, Vader made the choice uh, because it was out there, that everything is out there to be had, i.e. The, the force, and he makes the choice to do these villainous acts, and therefore, okay, I'm going to put my vote in now. He's not redeemable because he's made the choice to do the things he's done. But um, I, I'm starting to look at the force differently now through this discussion that we've been having. And I'm, Joe, I'm good. I'm I'm so glad you you brought up the force and the nature of the force because that kind of led led to me back to something that Chris Chris brought up and I kind of want to see like thoughts on this if we and I know like I mean I think we could all say like you know if we only take episodes four through six as as like the story then this all makes sense but like obviously this is written into a larger canon so I'm going to dip my toe now into the sequels and say that if we take the sequels into mind and that the force is the thing that's this judging Vader's soul redeemed by his actions, is he redeemed? Because the emperor doesn't get killed and he's still around by episode nine. Yeah, I think, I think you have to, however you come down on the redemption question of Vader, I don't think that you can really factor in what happens with the prequels because I would say, by episode seven, I think the force is done with Anakin, right? I think that what the Emperor was doing, you know, and he even says it in Rise of Skywalker, he, um, the reprise of, of his line in episode three, the dark side is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I think this is not the will of the force, whatever that means. But to have the Emperor still be alive, I think is counter to the will of the force. And I think you know, that was a last gasp of Palpatine trying to pull a fast one and cheat, which the Sith seem want to do. 
But yeah, I do take your point, though. I think a lot of this really does hinge on the nature of the Force and how the Force works before we can really definitively answer this question. And unfortunately, this is something that George Lucas was intending to get more explicit about in his sequel trilogy, which... I mean, your mileage may vary in terms of your enjoyment or your judgment of quality for the prequels and also for the sequels we got. Um, I would have liked to have seen George Lucas's version of the sequels, not because I hate the sequels that we got, but just because I kind of wish he had had the opportunity to finish the thought. And I think that I think he would have come down definitively on some of these questions and given us more to chew on in terms of what the intention was and how the force worked. I know that, you know, demystifying the force, I think, in the eyes of many fans was one of the biggest flaws, quote unquote, of uh, the prequels. But that said, I would have liked to have seen him follow through on the train of thought that he started in The Phantom Menace by introducing the midichlorians. He did an interview with James Cameron a couple of years ago where he talked about the sequels we're going to get into, like the midichlorians and like how they are the wills and we are really, you know, vessels for carrying out their will and they kind of create the force through their interaction with us or whatever it is. And then this idea that, I mean, as I'm saying it, it sounds very kooky, but I would have loved to have seen <laughs> yeah, what the... <laughs> yeah, no, 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 but like, like I would have loved to have seen the totality of the tapestry he was weaving. And I think that it's hard to factor in the sequels with these questions because again whatever you think of george lucas whatever you think of the unfiltered george lucas star wars that we got with the prequels there was a consistency of logic and vision even when he he reversed course or changed his own mind like there was still it's still all the point of view the thesis of one mind and i would have liked to have seen the resolution of that no, I, and I think I have, I'm very off topic now. I don't even know what I'm talking about. No, no, no. <laughs> can, I, it's can, can I join my club then? <laughs> yeah, no, of course. I, can, I can I can hear where you're coming from because I think, you know, for anybody who who hasn't seen um The Good Place, it's fantastic. If you haven't watched yes. it, you really should. But you know, the premise of it, um, and well, spoiler-ish, but the premise of it is that these people are in the good place after they've died. Um except it turns out one person doesn't belong. She does not belong in the good place. They screwed up. And all I could think as I was watching it, I was enjoying it for the first, I don't know, say half, half of the first season. And then I started thinking, okay, but at some point, like, they're going to figure out you don't deserve, you don't deserve this reward. You don't belong here. So like, how are you going to, how are you going to, you've written yourselves into a corner. How are you going to fix it? And they do remarkably. They, they take care of it in a great way at the end of the first season. And then it happens at the end of every season where like, I'm going, okay, you're writing yourselves into a corner again. How are you going to resolve it? Is this going to be the time you disappoint me? And they never, ever do. There's always a way they write themselves out of it. So it certainly is possible that whatever he was going to write for the sequels would have, I don't want to use the word redeem, maybe it's too big, but would have redeemed all of the choices he made previously. And I would have gone, okay, I didn't love it, but I get what you were doing. So sure, it's not an incomplete story with the context, you know, contextually, I'm sold. Um, so that's definitely a possibility, but I've, I also have to hit an age where Usually if I'm about a hundred pages into a book and I still don't like it, I don't finish it anymore. I quit on it. <laughs> so, so, uh, like you said, mileage may vary. 
Okay, my, my, my train is completely going off the rails here. Just, <laughs> I mean, this is a great discretion. You're so now I'm thinking, well, okay, the force is neutral. You, you leave your impressions on it. You make of it what you will. It's like sunlight. It gives you life. But if you're Dr. Evil, it becomes a weapon of death. Oh, I like that. So, very, you know, very nice. So I just, this, I'm loving this. This is great. Let's keep, let's well, go on into the night with this. <laughs> you know, little Chris, before, like, Josh, I know you wanted to elaborate, but I will just say, and Josh, I apologize because I'm, you're probably, you're not going to be familiar with this reference, but to Joe and Chris, the, the, the force almost sounds like the speed force in many, yes, in many but, ways. But James, <laughs> the wormhole aliens, the wormhole aliens. Well, the wormhole aliens, yeah, yeah, Josh, yeah. The, the force seems like wormhole aliens. Like you, you can encounter beings and stuff in there. But that's also, it's one of those things where it's not actually neutral, right? Like we've seen, mm. at least again, depending on what the scope is, because if you're looking at it from the, the from the focus of um, from the perspective of the Clone Wars cartoon, it's not that it is neutral; it's that it has an agenda. It does have an agenda, and the agenda may may veer towards balance, but that doesn't necessarily mean the balance of good and evil. You know, like it might be over a course of totality. Like so, so I hesitate to say that the force is neutral because I don't think it is. I think it just has its own agenda. But Chris, isn't balance the way of the universe, the yin and the yang? I mean, isn't that so? Can't can't that be conceived or considered neutral because it's just the way of things? But it's a human imposed balance. So when we talk about neutral, like I, you know, the human imposed balance of neutral is sort of like good and evil, right? Because that's why I say, like, I think in the eyes of the force. Vader, maybe Anakin is redeemed because he has now served his purpose. He's done. He's written his part of the story as the force wanted it to be, maybe. Um, but the reason he can't really be redeemed in my eyes is because he didn't do a good thing that canceled out bad things he did. He saved his son, but and that's great, except that doesn't undo all the bad that he did that wouldn't have been necessary to save his son in the first place if he had only just not killed Mace Windu and had gotten rid of the Emperor. So, well, at the, at that time, Chancellor. So I would argue that because it's, and this is where we get into, okay, but how much stoicism are we really going to get into here? That's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, and we're talking about neutral. It's, it's, this is sort of, you know, when, when God does an unfair thing and we say that's not fair and we have to be reminded that life isn't fair. Mm. So is neutral really a balance between good and evil? Is it an overall balance of the universe? Is there a, a you know, somewhere across the universe, is there a galaxy that's suffering because, and they're in balance, they're out of balance because we're out of balance too good. So now we need to be made worse so they can balance out. Like it, again, for me, it really just depends on scope and perspective of the story. And that's why I say I have a, I have a difficult time saying that the force is neutral because, you know, we, we talk about the force having tenets that are almost, I don't want to say you're, uh, uh, that are difficult or impossible to reconcile but like but you're you know when you're on the if you're a light side user if you're a jedi you're not supposed to have these earthly attachments yet and uh, yet obi-wan who we acknowledge to be a jedi master and even if we didn't even if we go man he got promoted kind of quick he's a jedi knight he says he loved anakin like a brother but but obi-wan never flirted with the dark side so is he actually a good jedi is he actually a bad jedi and that's why anakin fell well, that's interesting because I do think there's a distinction to be made between the will of the force, whatever that is, and what the Jedi do. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's that's absolutely accurate because they're they're acting. The Jedi are acting in a different interest, I think. 
Well, it's sort of if you want to use the analogy of the Force is God and the Jedi are whatever organized religion, whatever like codified belief structure that's sort of the interface between the unknowable and the material world. When you get that sort of organization, that, you know, middle man, as it were, you get all of the, you know, follies and foibles of human affairs, right? So you get the downsides of a bureaucratic institution and groupthink and the inertia of the way things are done and, you know, precepts and traditions and rules are installed. And then over time, you forget what the intention behind the rule was. And it becomes about the adherence to the rule because it's a rule and less you know, you lose why that was a rule in the first place. And I think that that's what you get with the Jedi. And I think that that's the intention there in the prequels. Though, again, I think it's a little bit muddled because I, th I think George Lucas loved his creation so much that he didn't really have the heart to make them not, at the end of the day, heroes. He wants to give the Jedi sort of the benefit of the doubt and give them that escape hatch so that they don't get too much stink directly on them. I just wanted to like add to your point, like as Chris and I have added, if you go, if you watch the Clone Wars though, I think they do a lot more nuanced in their latter seasons of-, of Yeah, but that's later. Like, so, but that's what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. like mm -hmm. that, that's like a retcon, right? So that's so what I'm, yeah. so it was what totally, I'm saying- It was totally a retcon. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is that, is that I don't know how much of that was there when he was making- the prequel films, I think when he sees what he did and he has an opportunity to collaborate, especially when he's collaborating with other creative voices who have their own thoughts and it's sort of a give and take. And again, you know, I say this all the time, like, I don't think retcon is a dirty word. I know, I know, I know that it kind of is like one of the fun things about you know, sequels or prequels or expanded universe material. One of the great things, the fun things that I like about them is the ability to recontextualize what mm. you've already seen. Like that's cool and fun. And when and when it's it's done well, it can be really great. So I'm not somebody who says, oh, well, that they obviously never had that in their heads when they were making this or they were making that or when they wrote that. I'm not a stickler for textual originalism or or whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't really care about that. My only thing is, I think you can look to the authorial intent to get clues to try and understand what you're meant to come away with. And then you can kind of evaluate that on your own. Like, okay, well, do I buy that? Or do I think that, you know, that this actually works more if you read it like this instead? Josh? Yes. Yeah, I agree with that because I, I mean, at the beginning, Lucas was obviously painting in broad strokes, right? Yes. You could say for sure. So it wasn't he wasn't Syrah employing pointillism to right. Know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, right. Yeah. So I mean, so what I'm seeing is, you know, the, the way I keep trying, I'm jotting down notes like crazy here, guys. Um, you know, it, it makes me think about the force again, and and how. Because he's painting such broad strokes, as he gets further down the narrative tale, he has to bring all these disparate parts together and make it work in the, in the, in the prequels. So, you know, Chris, earlier I said the Force is neutral, but if it's not neutral, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but maybe the Force is just sheer will. And once again, it's what you bring to it that sets you down the path you take. 
So, you know, look on Dagaba, right? Mm. You know, you, you, you bring with you only what you take, you, you find it only what you bring with you. Don't uh, take the gun, Luke. Don't take it. Why does right. he do that? Sorry, sorry. So, you know, again, this all goes back to James's original question, and I, this is trying to get back on the path here, being meandering around like crazy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's not, I'm going to say, again, he's not really old because he chose this path. Uh, there was this power out there that, that was there to be had, whether the force, whether it's neutral, whether it's will, whatever the hell it is. It's just, it's, some, it's a tool to be employed, and people constantly, since the dawn of uh, history, have, have, have used tools to, to make their way and put their stamp on the world. And, um, and Vader took this path, and he, he took this tool, and he, and he ran with it, and he, and he used it um, in an ill-advised way, I, I, or an evil way. That's not, that's not even sugarcoated. And it's funny the way that you say that, because this is a conversation that Josh and I had about Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, one of our biggest problems was that, you know, Ben, Ben Solo, Kylo Ren was offered not one, but two opportunities for redemption, mm -hmm. one in uh, Force Awakens by Han and one in, uh, you know, Last Jedi by Rey. And uh, and he turns them both down. He decides he's going to be the the source of power in the universe. And so that's it. The, that's all the shots you get. So when yeah. one did that in Rise of Skywalker, even though that was one of my many complaints, it was a very central one because it was this idea of, okay, well, you know, sometimes you make mistakes and we see that. And it's one of the things I love about Avatar, the last airbender is we see a character who makes mistakes um, and there's still room for redemption, but Kylo Ren is past that point. I feel the same way about Anakin and Vader is like, no, at some point you make your bed and you got to lie in it. They're just yeah. redemption. We still expect you to do the right thing when it comes along, but doing the right thing isn't going to get you anywhere. It's one of my, my central problems with Christianity is this notion of, obviously a conversation for another time but this notion of do good on earth so you'll be rewarded in heaven okay but then is it really good like this is where we get into what is altruism actually so um you know if you're doing the thing just for the reward did you actually do a good thing and um you know different different story for a different day but yeah Here, here's what Saying we can it doesn't fix the limp. yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, and, then, and Chris, I mean, Chris, with what you just said, we could also plug the good place again, because that's exactly what the good place talks about. Yeah, what yeah. You just extrapolate on. But I do want to like wrap up kind of with like a point that in, in my mind, just to kind of go upon and Chris, you just touched upon and Joe, you touched upon like if you're if you're going by this lens and Josh, you mentioned it too, that this is written sort of with, I guess, a Christian sort of maybe mindset then I am okay that maybe killing the emperor and saving your son is this first step into redemption. But I would have, I think, and obviously this is not what the sequels are about and it wasn't even touched upon the expanded universe, but I would say that Darth Vader would be in a sort of forced purgatory until, until he yes, found, James. I guess, like soul-wise had Dude, made how, up for yeah how cool would a sequel trilogy have been if we had the ghost of anakin skywalker like trying to intervene in galactic affairs so that he could get his redemption mm -hmm. yeah i think that'd be i mean that's that's like the that's would be the that would make the jedi let me make the whole six episodes more palpable for me like i i would see like if he's like you said he's influencing how galactic politics are going if he's sort of guiding along the next generation of jedi to rebuild the thing he toward that's what i would be looking from i guess from my background um yeah mm -hmm. but the will of the force sure. is we yeah. just had a discussion about maybe different and but i that's that's like that would be satisfying to me in terms of a redemption story arc 
Uh, you know, it's interesting. We keep talking about the will of the forest. And again, you know, maybe it's defined a little more um, in Clone Wars. And obviously, I think George Lucas had his own ideas that would have worked their way into his sequel trilogy that I'm sure would have comported with whatever was laid out in the Clone Wars. But setting all of that aside, because I don't know exactly what that conception was, but you talk about the will of the force, you talk about wanting a balance and whether that means explicitly good and evil or like some kind of a balance that manifests as good or evil the way that we define it. But like, what if the force is like the tide, right? It's like a force of nature, literally. And it goes in and it goes out and it comes in, right? And the real secret is to just ride the wave you can try to fight what the force is doing but when you do that you will inadvertently cause a lot of suffering in the material world because this is a force of nature that this is where the galaxy or where the world is going you can't fight that but you can sort of turn into the spin right chris you said something before about how the balance is something we are imposing on the force i don't know about that i think we're imposing morality on the force and that made me think of like this analogy of the tide going in and out. Whatever the force is, it's just kind of doing what it's doing. And I think if you think of it as a force of nature and all of like the invocations of good and evil and all like the value judgments, I think that is what we are imposing on the force. And again, it's also tricky because, you know, this is something fictional. It's a fictional world. So there is an element of human imposed morality and intentionality because it literally is created by the mind of a human being so so it may have that intentionality and that morality sort of baked into it i mean i don't know that's a good um i like that job maybe the force is just me reflection then yeah right yeah i mean that's I need to we get this deep. <laughs> this is great. I love it. No, this is no, where I want no, to Yeah, I'm getting a headache. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Well, I am going to, I don't know if you guys in, uh, would be up for it, but as a, as a sequel to this podcast, I am going to propose a future podcast down the road where maybe we could talk about our own ideas of what Vader's journey or Anakin's journey would be like. Oh, that's interesting. As a because we're all creatives in this in this podcast, and I'm I'm I I think we've explored a lot of different things here, and I think um, a further exploration of maybe how how his journey in the prequels could have gone differently to make it all make sense would be an interesting exercise for the future. So, if you guys are up for that, for coming back oh, yeah. to this topic, no, absolutely. Sure. Though, yeah, um, I don't know. I, there won't be. I mean, I can't promise it won't be hot garbage, but I'll come. I up would with love. Something. To- Oh, that's oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. okay I mean, ah, maybe... pontification is my middle name. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I would love yeah, to yeah. join for that. I would love to join for that discussion. But the cheeky side of me is really tempted to just mail you all a DVD box set of The Godfather One and Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my two favorite movies of all time. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and to go like to kind of like button it up. I agree. That's that's probably the best like fall from grace storyline. I will also say like. Um, you know, as as Chris and you, uh, Chris pointed out, then like the Force Awakens and um, you know the um, the Last Jedi, Kylo Ren's story is a pretty like good fall story that could have been Darth Vader's as well if done mm-hmm. that way as well. 
Well, what I thought they were going with Kylo Ren, I thought that they were doing the like, there's no wiggle room here. Like he is choosing, as Chris pointed out, he gets a chance to come back once he gets a second chance to come mm -hmm. back. And he he doubles down, then triples down on the evil. And whereas you can say that Anakin went down the dark path for good, quote, reasons. He was well-intentioned, and you can see it's like love, it's it's fear of loss, you know, it's all this stuff. With Kylo Ren, they were sort of saying, no, he's knowing, he wants to be bad, he's choosing to be bad. Right. He's, he's choosing right. it again and again. There's no coming back from this. Like, your destiny is in your hands. He is Not choosing everybody gets to redeemed. No. Yeah. No. And uh, one of the frustrating for me things about Rise of Skywalker is that's not where they ended up taking the character um, is not what I thought they were setting up. Right. I agree with that. I mean, I'm again, too. we we there's a whole other conversation either on this podcast or maybe in the future, Josh, in your podcast about the sequels and their intention and and love of that. But yes, I, I agree that you know, talking about being just jointed in multiple hands in the, in the soup of a narrative, like the, the sequels are all of that. Um, so I thought, um, I guess to wrap this up and to kind of give our thoughts, Joe, so where, where do you sit with the initial question? Uh, well, after this um, intelligent uh, professorial discussion, <laughs> this lecture, this, uh, you know, I, I uh, no, he's not redeemable. He's, um, he made, you know, who have, he, yes, he did. He did make his bed, Chris. He and he has to light it now. And um, uh, I'm not on the fence anymore. He's um, he's irredeemable. All right, uh, Josh, you having a, a solid opinion at this point? You know what? Fuck it. He's redeemed. Josh, he said he wanted to be Oh, let me explain. Well, let me explain. Because, frankly, like at the end of the day, it's really up to you whether you want to forgive somebody and call me a softy or whatever. But I think as long as you are saying the right things or appear to be doing the right things in the right direction, I will allow you to move in the direction of becoming the person you want to be now moving forward. I think the word redeemed is kind of loaded, like <laughs> like the implication there is so all is erased and everything is all good. I wouldn't go that far. So if that's your definition of redeemed, no. But I would like to think, you know, at the end of the day, the same way it's Anakin's choice, the same way it's Kylo Ren's choice to do evil. If you have it within you to give this man who has done horrible things some grace and you can not forget what he did but sort of allow him or, you know, help facilitate him choosing to do good and recant, then I would like to think that I would choose to do that. All right, Josh, okay. that's very, that's very okay. fair. That's uh, Chris, fair. Chris, what's your way in? Yeah, no, unrede irredeemable. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, where he does the right thing at the end, not necessarily, we, we don't know if it's for the right reasons or not. For all we know, it was some misguided, I want my genes to live on. So fuck it, Luke lives and the emperor dies. Um, <laughs> you know, there's any number of reasons, but at the end of the day, I, I agree with Josh. I think redemption is a, is a very loaded word. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, you know, 
I, I think that it's, it's interesting in the context of the story, but since I do tend to look at Star Wars as a whole, um, given the context of everything, I don't see it as a moment of redemption. I see it as the, the dying gasp of somebody who, who finally finds their way to, to the surface for a breath of air before they, before they die. That's my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That is a good point. Um, I mean, again, final... I think it's really tricky because he dies. So, yeah. so he doesn't have the chance to reckon the world doesn't have the chance to reckon with what he, he wrought and he has no chance to do anything else. So, so this is all we got. Right. Like, and it's one of those things where you said it yourself that because he, because he, and, and we don't know if he's intentionally taking the easy way out or not. This could just as easily have been a suicide by cop situation, right? Like, <laughs> um, so, so who knows? You know, maybe he he started to the, the for all we know the the horror of what he had done began to inf unfold in front of him, and he just decided, nope, can't deal with it. Bob, you know, I'm going down with the ship. Um, there's any number of reasons. So so since we don't have that again, I think you know for me it's all in the the framework. But since I tend to look at it from the, the greater scale of of here's the other material that's out there. I, I I excuse me, I say he is he is not redeemed. Thumbs down. All right. So uh, I'm going, to, if we were just, if we're going like strictly um, by the storytelling that we have, I'm, I'm going to go, he is not redeemed. However, I will, I do allow for, and as I said, like Josh's interpretation, if we, if it's a first step on a path to redemption, I am for, he's not redeemed, but he's taking a first step into something down the road that he has to work towards would be my final judgment. But if I had to go based upon the canon, I do not think he's redeemed, but I, 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 same as you, Josh, I would leave the door open if, if it's a gateway to redemption down the road. Yeah, I agree. So, so I would amend my fuck it. He's redeemed to not redeemed ellipsis yet. Question mark. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Which, uh, which again, a very compelling sequel is the ghost of Anakin Skywalker trying to redeem himself. Um, I, the other thing that I'll say too, though, is that, you know, I don't, I don't need him to be redeemed anymore. Same. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's why I'm, I'm, I'm okay with sort of like condemning him to irredeemable too, is because, because I don't need him redeemed. There, sometimes we end up with stories, and sometimes we have like uh, storylines that we might see in sports. You know, whether somebody's won a championship or not, uh, after all these years of of not quite making the cut, whatever the storyline may be, there are times when I want to see redemption, and then there are other times where I don't. Um, you know, at the end of at the very end of Harry Potter. Uh, not the movies, but the books, um, Harry makes it clear to Voldemort that he, he could, he could, if he feels some remorse, he can come back from where he is. Nobody was interested in him feeling remorse for that. Nobody was interested in the redemption of Voldemort. What mattered was he tried, you know, he tried to, he offered the path to redemption, knowing full well he wouldn't take it. And I think ultimately that's why I, you know, for me, it doesn't matter whether he's redeemed or not. I don't need to see him redeemed because... Ultimately, it wasn't about whether or not Vader is saved. It's about whether or not Luke makes the choice to offer him the path. And Luke does, right? So I think that's why, like, for me, it's all very academic and it's all very interesting. Um, and and part of, for audience members, part of where this, you know, the other part of where this conversation sprung up out of in the first place is that, you know, so many of us either did like Vader or currently like Vader as a really cool a really cool character right and it can be hard to reconcile that sometimes uh knowing what he has done like how do you justify liking a villain who has done these things it helps that he's make-believe right 
This mm-hmm. isn't this isn't idolizing somebody um in the real world who did these these horrible things and it's so hard to reconcile. Um, you know, like you 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 look at um you know, you look at characters or like characters. You're talking about people in real life who really um who sort of have that like larger larger than life um that presence and you know for example i was recently reading about joe paterno you know the coach at penn state and how he was bigger than life and he defined penn state and to learn that he oversaw jerry sandusky and that was not the only instance of continued sexual abuse happening under his watch it was really hard for people to cope with that because it really clashed with their values but also who they viewed as a hero so it's different with someone like vader because he's made up he didn't actually kill children right so um, so I do think it's possible to still enjoy Vader, um, even if he's not necessarily redeemed. It is possible to have our our minds changed as to whether or not we still like him or if he still holds that that place of value for us. Um, so it's not always just about the the redemption of him in the story, but redemption of him in our our own personal zeitgeist of characters we enjoyed and, and influences we found, I think. Well, fiction needs villains. Yeah. You know, whether it be yeah. nar- narrative, or the, you know, movies, TV, whatever, they, you need villains. I mean, otherwise you, ha- you don't have conflict. So, And you just gave me a thought, actually, Chris and Joe. Um, uh, sorry to just drop this in there. But maybe one of the reasons why we accept the redemption a little more when you're just speaking in terms of episodes four to six is that Vader's fall and quote-unquote redemption was less about redeeming Anakin Skywalker and was really more about about informing Luke's story yes. about showing yeah. that there was a counterexample of what could happen and also helping not only Luke but also the audience realize this lesson of we all have the capability for good and for evil within us and it's up to us to choose which and by showing that Vader this the uh, the black hat of the story of this galaxy the biggest villain there was to show that even he had a spark of light still left in him yep that shows that not only are transformations possible but that even the good guys have that spark of evil of the darkness within them and that good and evil is not something that's inborn it's not something that you are it's that every day you have to choose to do good. Yep. You have to work hard n- not to do bad. Like you need to, it's not like one thing you wake up, you decide one day, okay, I'm this like you like, which is another reason why I, I don't want to get into this whole thing. But one of the reasons why Luke in the last Jedi resonates with me is that it shows that uh, to be a hero is hard and it's constant work you constantly have to work hard to do the right thing that's not it's not something automatic you have to work at it and we can falter and we can question ourselves when we fail to live up to that like hero mantle and so i think in the context of the original trilogy one of the reasons why vader's redemption works you go with it is because it's not about anakin it's not about vader it's about luke right as right that's- 100% 100% agree. Yeah. Well, I I think I this is exactly the episode I thought it would be and what we would get into, so I I'm I'm so happy um that that everyone could be here for it and that it went the way it went. So Yeah, it was a, it was a nice tight 96 minutes. 
Yeah. <laughs> real, real tight. It was good. In in lieu of our normal recommendations, I am I'm gonna recommend the the trash compactor uh for us. And, oh, and Josh, nice. would you take a would you take a moment and just plug it, everything about it, and what you would want people to looking looking forward to in this first yes, season? Yes, please. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, James. I really appreciate this opportunity to come on and talk Star Wars and to plug Trash Compactor, a Star Wars podcast, which I do have to say, James, you're the reason that I embarked on this podcast, because when you decided to do this show, it really inspired me to to get off my own ass and to do something that I've been thinking about doing for a long time. So thanks for that. But Trash Compactor is really, you know, one of the things that I enjoy most about Star Wars in this age of Star Wars everywhere all the time is talking about Star Wars with my friends and a podcast is a really great way to do that. I love conversations like this and I hope that if you enjoyed this conversation, you'll give Trash Compactor a shot. Chris and James are guests on one of the first episodes and Joe is a guest on a really great episode that we recorded. That yeah, about Star Wars versus Star Trek, which- I'm really excited uh, to hear that one. No, it was great. It was great, Joe. Like, I really, really loved that discussion. I, can't oh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. That. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing it again. Yeah. So, trashcompod.com, and we're trashcompod on all social media. And you can search for Trash Compactor on your podcast platform of choice, and it should come up. And we have some good stuff coming up for the next 13 weeks of season cool. one. Oh, that's great. Exciting and, stuff, uh, man. Exciting, exciting stuff. stuff. And Josh, let me just say that I'm I'm very um, happy I could be a, an influence or an inspiration uh, for the for our for our cousin podcast, as we've called it, tra Trash Compactor. And that I uh, and that I it's quickly become. I'm glad I can inspire something that, I, that I've said to you off, offline is that it's become quickly my favorite podcast thing to listen to. You listen to because you've been kind enough to share the um, the the early cuts or the you know the early editions of the podcast before they drop. So um, I'm very happy for you and. Um, I look forward to all the success the Trash uh, Compactor will have. I'm humbled that you would say that. I'm very happy that it seems to be resonating with its intended audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so once again, Josh, thank you for being here. You will be back again. Um, and, uh, and in case you guys don't know, Josh also is on the reaction show for, for Picard and Star Trek on, on this podcast network. So um, you can listen to him. Um, a lot this week. Yeah, not, this not, episode, not, not his first rodeo. This will <laughs> no, be this rodeo. episode. Yeah, this episode, his, the launch of his podcast. And I think this week, because we're recording this in advance, is also the wrap-up episode of Picard season oh, two. So, so oh, Josh can be seen. I'm and sorry, everybody. Sorry, big I'm, play, Josh. It's like Shark sorry, everybody. Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry, everyone. I don't mean to subject you to of my stylings <laughs> this much. <laughs> Uh, I know you're being humble, but everything that you say is is very insightful and stuff. I mean, you've blown Joe's mind many times on this episode. You definitely so, uh, did, man. So, oh, stop! I'm really excited it. for when uh, when Joe, James, and I go on vacation, and Josh Josh takes over the podcast for a That's bit. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know how to work a register. You can leave me mining the store, and is it, this is what I'll I'm be saying. Mostly assured, everything will be where you left it. <laughs> the store will still be here when we get back. <laughs> Um, so back in the I assure you we are open. Yes. <laughs> so Josh, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Uh, Joe, always thank you for being here with your insight. And I, I especially appreciate your, your insight coming into this fresh for today's discussion. So thank you. This is great, James. Thanks. Thanks, Josh. 
And, uh, and Chris, as always, thank you for being the impetus for this original conversation and leading basically the, the, this talk to the podcast that we are now in. So thank you so much. That has been my great honor. Thanks again, Chris. And uh, thank you all for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed everything you've heard or have thoughts and comments of your own about what we discussed today, you can uh, leave comments on the Facebook group, Secret Origins and Link Condition. If uh, you want to uh, email us your thoughts uh, that we could share or discuss, uh, secretoriginsmc at gmail.com. We thank you as always for listening and we will talk to you next time.